a.m. live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's 11 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live and time now for the Forum at 8. So when President Jacob Zuma last week in his State of the Nation address uh, promised uh, jobs, um, he sparked a great deal of debate among many South Africans about exactly how this will be achieved. Now, political analyst Prince Mashele commented on uh, the president's uh, speech uh, stating that actually in South Africa these jobs will come from white South Africans because it is white South Africans who create jobs in this country not black South Africans per se. So Mashele says that since 1994 black people have not established any massive factories to create jobs for their own. So we're going to try and get more on this uh, for Prince to explain to us, shed some light on these issues and he joins us here in our Joburg studio. Thanks for coming through. It's been a while. It's been a while and good to see you. You haven't changed. You're still as uh, happy as ever. And, uh, <laughs> good, good to see to you as well. And also with us is Mzwandi Lemanyi, who's president... Uh, Mzwane Lemanyi, who is president of the Progressive uh, Professionals Forum, uh, also here with us. Thanks for coming through as well. Morning, Sakina, and morning to all your listeners. So, Prince, let's start with you and your assertions that when it comes to job and job creation in South Africa, that essentially it is a white South Africans who would be responsible for this. <coughs> Firstly, let me clarify something here, <coughs> because I think that uh, my... Uh, um, thesis has been completely missed. Uh, this whole debate uh, emanates from an article I wrote for the Sowetan yesterday, and I urge readers to go read for, 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 for themselves. There is a larger thesis I'm making there. In fact, the article had nothing to do with the State of the Nation address. The, I anchored the article on a call that was made by a black man on a radio station I will not mention, and a black man said that uh, he's, um, according to his observation, um, it is white people who create jobs in this country. In other words, people who are employed in the main in South Africa work for white people. And uh, after that call was made, I was listening to the radio station. The black man was pilloried by angry black callers who called him uh, all sorts of names and recommended uh, history lectures with which he must familiarize himself before he insults, inverted commas, black people. So <clears throat> this is how I re- reacted to that discussion because my reading uh, of that discussion is that the response of uh, the black people who are angry about uh, this guy who is black who says, let's talk about something unique in the life of black people, is that they claim to be defending the image of black people. But what they don't realize actually is that they subscribe to what I call a relational conception of black existence, which is that black people don't exist without white people. So anybody who says, let's talk about the weaknesses affecting black people, then um, a defender of black people will jump and say, no, 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 you can't talk about black people without mentioning white people. So I am challenging that conception. I'm saying, actually, these people who claim to defend black people are denying black people an independent existence as a nation. And I make, the, I make reference to the European Renaissance, that white people uh, between the 14th and the 17th centuries in Europe, they had their own Europe, European <coughs> Renaissance where they talked about themselves without minding what outsiders are saying. So the, 
thing about black people not creating job is in the context of a specific caller who said we black people have a weakness so i am saying nobody must be silenced when a person says let's talk about what are our weaknesses or strengths as black people so i am advancing a non-relational conception of black existence that's that's my thesis so as it pertains to job creation in south africa which is of course a very um sore point because uh, this country has struggled to create jobs uh, meaningful jobs uh, for the longest time so so as it pertains to job creation how would you then posit that by the way i i i i am not uh, here um uh, biting my tongue what the caller said that um, currently as we speak jobs are created by white people is correct factually now <clears throat> uh, and I'm, i have read many history books on on south africa i know the history of colonialism and racism and so on uh, i am not an apologist for apartheid and uh, colonialism and i have written widely against that but here is my argument if you want us to pick on job creation in the main in this country by the way modern south africa has had three governments and people seem to get confused about this we have had one a british government when the british government was in charge it facilitated the empowerment of the english in the south african economy at the time mining was the inverted commas almost the only econ- economy to speak of in south africa um agriculture was rud- rud- rudimentary then fast forward to the second government of south africa the Afrikaners, uh, which actually the Afrikaners took over the government of south africa in 1910 not in 1948 if you look at what the Afrikaners did they were marginalized when the english were in charge they didn't cry foul and ask the english to accommodate them in some uh, africana economic empowerment scheme they constructed their own space they built electricity escom still isco over time from the 1920s up to say 1950 the poor white problem which affected the africans was was actually overcome then fast forward to a black government which took over from 1994 to date that black government if you look at it the record speaks for itself it has produced a tiny uh, palpable tiny uh, middle class who these people if you look at their character they are consumers they are not creators of wealth you can show me massive factories that these people by the way have established and employing their own people so the english created jobs for the for their people the africaners created jobs for their people black people are not creating jobs for their people i am bold to state my thesis if there are anyone who has facts against this please place them on the table let's debate Mzwanelemanyi, agree, disagree? Yeah. <clears throat> let me assist uh, this young man, uh, Prince. Let me really assist him. You see, uh, apartheid has done a lot of damage to a lot of people. Uh, it, 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 it is our duty uh, today uh, to just set the record straight on, uh, on a few issues. I think it's important that uh, we don't uh, deal with this matter very superficially. Uh, I think what Prince is saying is this is, with due respect, is very superficial. Is not uh, uh, looking at the real root cause of the problem. So, second, I'm going to invite you to do a deep dive. Let's do a deep dive and say, where, 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 why are we here? 
we are here because we're sitting here with uh, uh, centuries of oppression of black people. This is the starting point. We started here in 1652 with Dutch colonialism, which extended all the way until 1795. 1795, we then had another form of colonialism, British imperialism, <clears throat> that started from 1795 until 1948. And then thereafter, we then had the apartheid, 1948 until 1994. All these successive regimes were doing one thing and one thing in, in common. Uh, the was amassing of, white, of wealth by white monopoly capital and a marginalization of black people. So to fast forward to today, we're sitting here today with a, a, a centuries of oppression. So to come and make the statements that Prince is making is almost like uh, when there was rain outside and then people go outside and you're surprised why it's wet. It's wet because it was rain. Simple as that. We are where we are today because of very ingrained, very entrenched white monopoly capital a situation that we've enjoyed as a country. You fast track that to, to, to Codessa to see right now we're at Codessa, we're at 1994, and then what happened? 1994, in fact, was the cementing and formalization, if you like, of the impoverishment of black people. You know, this uh, so-called uh, uh, freedom uh, that we got, let the truth be told. In fact, a prince can't speak here as if we now have complete freedom. We never had complete freedom. We actually have even the political freedom, even that political freedom is not freedom on, or, uh, as it were. Let me give an analogy, Sakina. If you had a person who's been shackled uh, with chains uh, on both uh, left and right feet, uh, right, uh, left leg and right leg with chains, what we have is the one chain has been uh, cut off has been cut off, but it's not, and, and that foot is not left completely free. It's cut off, but has been replaced with an, a, a rubber band, as it were. So the, the, the one foot with the rubber band has got the illusion of being free, when in fact it's got this rubber band that uh, uh, allows you to, to stretch, but brings you back, back, back to line. And I'll tell you what brings you back to line. And on the other, uh, on the other side, you've got the, the chain that's still there, the economic chain. So there is no freedom here. What freedom are we talking about here? Because, in fact, we cannot have a discussion here as if you have black people that are free, free to do anything. or not free to do anything. Economically, we're still tied. Politically, we have the rubber band. We have the rubber band because we have the constitution. You have no freedom to think what you want to think, even politically. You've got to think within the constitution. You are not free. You cannot decide that uh, I must just ban labor brokers. Section 22 of the Constitution will stop you from doing that. So you've got this uh, rubber band effect that uh, we, we, uh, <coughs> we must understand. Furthermore, if we get to the nitty-gritty, when we started in this country, so that uh, Prince can understand why we are here today, when we started, uh, we also had big loans, uh, apart from the apartheid debt that we had to, to, uh, to service. We also started in 1993 with a huge $850 million, million, million dollar loan as it were, uh, from the IMF. What that did, I think it's the center of this thing, what that did, it came with a whole range of conditions. And part of those conditions were things like uh, the state had to cut in spending, where to make sure that there was free trade routes, there was a fiscal controlled economy, excessive capital flight was allowed, and all of these things, 
and, and, and also labor had to be controlled. We had World Bank breathing on our necks, saying that uh, uh, we are paying uh, labor too much and all of that. Why am I raising this? I'm raising this because these are the conditions that are actually responsible for what we see here today. It was not an accident that when we started here, the Minister of Finance was Derek Keyes. Derek Keyes was here as a, as, a, as a start Minister of Finance to ensure that they cement uh, all the economic uh, gains within a, 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 a government environment. And these guys were very clever. Derek Keyes was supported by the Constitution, Section 216 of the Constitution, which made sure, spelled out everything that National Treasury had to do. Uh, and Derek Keyes was there to supervise that. So today it's not an accident that you have this proximity of National Treasury to white monopoly capital. As if that's not enough, Central Reserve Bank, it's not an accident that Crystals was forced on us to be, carry on as a governor of the Reserve Bank uh, uh, to make sure that the money flows into the system are controlled we, uh, 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 by the white monopoly capital, the nationalists and all of that. So we have a system here that uh, we think were liberated, were not liberated, that were still in this uh, huge entrapment uh, where we are. In fact, I think uh, the Codessa thing uh, uh, has a lot to answer on this. Uh, <clears throat> so, 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 so going forward, uh, Sakina, I'm saying that uh, the situation which we have is a well-engineered and designed uh, situation. And, you know, people will say, okay, then you got into power. Uh, what are the policies of the ANC? And then people will say, okay, uh, the ANC has got good policies, the problem is implementation and all that. And I'm saying, no, 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 don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. ANC indeed has got good policies. And the, the issue of saying ANC has got good policies and the problem is implementation is actually incorrect. The ANC has good, good, poli- good policies. The problem is when you convert the policy of the ANC into legislation. Our legislation is infiltrated. We've got legislation in this country that is designed to entrench white monopoly capital and to impoverish black people. And I can give you these legislations. Uh, one of them is Triple PFA. Triple PFA says that uh, uh, 80%, 90% of the points must be given to a lower price tenderer. Now, how can it be that uh, we don't understand that white monopoly capital with economies of scale will always have lower price and therefore they will outbid you at, at, at any day. Then, then we say repeal this thing and then we bring regulation and then uh, the regulation comes in and then everybody gets excited in the P- at a PR level you get told 30% is uh, guaranteed to black, uh, uh, black suppliers, uh, subcontracting uh, and so on. That is a mirage. No such. You must go to those regulations, Sakina uh, uh, see. Section 9, subsection 1 of those regulations talks about exempted microenterprises uh, and, and, and QSEs. Uh, and, and QSEs are qualifying small enterprises. These are a threshold of uh, about up to 50 million and so on. Uh, don't cut me. Let me just finish this point. Um, exempted microenterprises is also a threshold base. So in other words, anybody and anybody, white people are also part of this thing. So this whole notion that we have 30% for black uh, people is certainly not true, uh, as it were. It's for everybody. uh, And and we know that uh, the people that are going to be subcontracting will 
uh, prefer their own because right now it's big companies that do these subcontracts and they prefer their own. So I'm saying to black people in this country, don't get excited with those uh, treasury regulations. They are not going to take us anywhere. They are going to continue the impoverishment. They are going to be sitting there and thinking that something is about to happen when it's not going to happen. Lastly, you then have CIDB. Most of our people are in the construction space. Uh, then what CIDB does, it rates you. Level 1 to level 9. Now, level 9 are your big shots, uh, the people that can do big bridges and highways and what have you. What then this thing says is that if you are level, uh, if you are level 5, for instance, uh, because you don't have all the way we thought, you can't bid for level 9 job. Now, most black people will find them at a level 5 rating in the construction sector. But if there is a job out for level 5, level 9 is allowed to bid. So if black people are all also, even in that, in that space, that uh, they should be at a level 5 uh, uh, operations, they then have to compete with big fish that is actually level 9. What chance do you have? You know? Then you have FIC. You know, the, the, our problems in this country is defective legislation. Uh, this is what is, is, killing, is, is killing us. And, and, and people must understand that uh, we do not interface as a society with policies of the ANC directly. We interface with legislation. Now, if legislation is defective, you have a problem. So for us as progressive professionals, what I'm saying, it's very important that uh, when we look at this impoverishment of black people in this country, when we look at the issues of uh, we're not creating uh, jobs as black business, is because black people do not have the asset base that the banks are looking for. We do not have, we do not inherit the farms. We do not have uh, uh, all this collateral that banks are looking for. So why are we surprised that it's wet outside? Because it did rain. Well, uh, if Jimmy Mani represents old people, I will never go. I will no longer go to old people for wisdom. I mean, really, Sakina, I mean, we have had the man. He's literally chasing his tail and he ended up confused. He's not talking about the argument I placed on the table. Uh, maybe he doesn't, maybe he, he is incapable of rising to that level. Let me, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let, me let me, firstly, there's an argument I made about the, what I call, the non-relational conception of black existence. He said absolutely nothing about that, number one. Number two, I gave him a neat history of uh, the evolution of this country. And then he got, he entangled himself into all sorts of things that I honestly don't know what he's talking about. Let's, let's recap Okay, we'll recap after the news headlines. And Nomsam Zuli standing by with the 8.30 news headlines. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with uh, Prince Mashele and Mzwanele Manyi. Nomsam Zuli now. Thank you, Sakina. Parliament will this afternoon begin a two-day debate on the President's State of the Nation address delivered last Thursday. Political parties are expected to give their responses to the contents of the speech and the program as outlined. Meanwhile, Parliament's ad hoc committee probing the SABC resumes work this morning. The committee is expected to discuss the feedback received from its interim report, which was sent to the affected parties for comment more than two weeks ago. And a court in Pakistan has banned the celebration of Valentine's Day on the grounds that it's not part of Muslim culture. The order prohibits all Valentine's Day-related festivities in public areas. More details at 9. 
Traffic on SAFM, your trusted guide to the road ahead. Very good morning. Still some uh, big delays around the northern suburbs of Joburg, particularly Lone Hill on Main Road. As you come down from the Leukop Prison, Vitkop and leaving four ways onto Main Road's heavy. Cedar Road in from Broadacres uh, down to Vitkop and very bad as well. Long queues of traffic there at this stage. South Road coming off Marlborough Drive into Santon is badly backed up. Uh, traffic light issues around 14th Avenue and the N1, so traffic uh, dreadful out that way. And the M2 coming inbound just queued up and clogged up from Joe Slovo in towards the Crown. You've got that little restriction through the uh, double-decker, the roadworks on the Mike 1 North, which is holding up uh, traffic coming through on the M2 westbound. Uh, Durban vehicle overturning on the N3 outbound between Tollgate Bridge and Brickfield Road. Traffic leaving Durban still being held up, uh, but there's a big impact coming inbound as well because of onlookers. So very slow N2 into Spaghetti Junction and then on to the N3 down towards the uh, Tollgate Bridge area. Uh, Leopold at Broad closed because of an oil spillage that we told you about earlier. That was way too dangerous this morning, so uh, Durban Metro stopping, uh, stepping in and closing that. It's around the on-ramp to the M3 as you leave the Durban CBD. Cape Town, M3, still a lot of pressure there between the Constantia Main Road and Hospital Bend, the N2 backing up uh, from just after Robert Sabukwe and Roadworks both ways on the N1 in and outbound at Belleville. Uh, give yourself across the course of the day, 10 or 15 minutes extra to get through there. And if you're driving between East London and Butterworth, Roadworks near the Kai River Bridge on that section of the N2 um, between Butterworth and East London through that uh, stop-go control, you can expect to wait for about 30 minutes. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. So this morning, the discussion uh, that we are having is about job creation. And, and, and who is responsible for job creation in uh, this particular country? A very interesting views being espoused by our guest this morning, uh, Umzwanele Manye and Prince Mashele. And of course, I believe the lines are blazing with all of you trying to get in. Uh, but of course, uh, we're just going to recap quickly and then uh, we'll move the conversation forward and take some calls. Prince? Okay. Let's, let's be neat about it and be clinical. So that we don't allow Jimmy Mani and I, Oh, are you born again? <laughs> okay. Uh, so that we don't allow Mzwanele, former yes. Jimmy Mani, to, to confuse listeners. One, when the British government was in charge, it used the power of the state to empower its own people and to facilitate their control of mining as the mainstream economy at the time. That's number one. You can't confuse that. Number two, when the Africaners took over after 1910, right? Mm. They also used the power of the state. By the way, the Africaners didn't even have money. This thing that no, the ANC government didn't have money is all nonsense. The Africaners didn't have money when they took over. South Africa was a bush. They created industry, what we call modern industry. The, 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 the bits of modern industry that we see, go and read the history of a guy called Hendrik van der Beel and see how he constructed industry out of nothing, right? So they use the power of the state to empower their own people in the economy, to create jobs, to educate their people. When the, South Af- when the black government took over in 1994, they had all the instruments that were handed over to them by the Afrikaners. They had the IDC, the Industrial Development Corporation, which they still have now. What did they do with it? They looted it. They had the land bank, which was an instrument that was used by the Africaners to empower their own Africaner farmers. What did they do with it? They built Gulf estates for comrades, right? Number two, the Africaners, you could point at a factory that was created through the state money for an Africaner. 
creating jobs for Afrikaner people, right? Show me those factories that were created by black government creating jobs for black people. So here is a thesis. Jimmy Manny must not come with all sorts of uh, meaningless rain and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, the point I'm making, uh, uh, Sakina, is simple. When you look at the history of this country, you can see that since black people took over, they are not adding a component to the economy simply because they got sucked into consumerism and didn't make use of the power of the state that they have. That's the point I'm making. No, no, I think, I think, I think, uh, uh, let, 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 let's assist a uh, uh, prince because he, you see, it, it's important to always understand the context. Don't just see somebody driving a nice car and you say, why I don't have a car? Uh, you don't even know what that person is doing. What Prince does not uh, tell the people is that uh, when the Africana took over uh, and so on, they did not have any British debt to pay over. This government, when it took over, it spent a good part of the 10 years paying back apartheid debt. And that was important for this credit rating so that the country can continue to borrow internationally. Now, if, if South Africa had not done that, uh, by the way, there's all kinds of arguments for and against this matter. But bottom line is that if South Africa had not done that, South Africa would not have had the kind of credit rating that allowed it to be where it is today uh, as it was. So it's important for, to underscore that firstly. Secondly, uh, what Chris is also dishonest Prince. about... Prince. Prince uh, is not dishonest. <laughs> At least the, I'm not born again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, what Prince is also dishonest about, he doesn't tell the viewers, the listeners, that we also had a South African government that was hamstrung by the IMF conditions, which I did list what, what those conditions are about. So it did not have a state here that was free to do as it pleases. You had people that were so-called free, but shackled in all kinds of arrangements. And if they had to break out of those arrangements, that situation would have been dire immediately. So that is the balance of forces that was against the ruling party as we started. Also, you must understand when it says they did this for the African, or they did this for the black. When this government took over, this government took over on a very clear policy of being non-racial. Uh, you must understand that uh, the Rechstel and the Axi that was there, it was there to fulfill a particular act of uh, uh, apartheid, which was a job preservation act, where you could get a job purely on the basis of being white. Uh, the issue of your competence and whatever was not an issue. That was the uh, Axi, that was a job preservation, uh, and, and so on. When this government took over, instead of doing a Rechstlende Axi and a job preservation, it did employment equity. And employment equity did not say that uh, on the basis of being black, uh, end of story, you get a job. It then said you must be suitably qualified. This is a responsible government. You must be suitably qualified, either by formal qualification, prior learning, and so on, about four key issues that had to be uh, addressed. So we are not comparing apples with apples here. He, he, he is, he is just, uh, he's almost like, uh, he's just, uh, he, he pretends like he's just watching a movie and does not understand that when you see a movie, a lot happens in the production of that movie. He's just, he's just narrating uh, a movie like a very innocent uh, and ignorant child, uh, this prince fellow. What you must understand is that this government had a lot of uh, baggage uh, to deal with and uh, that baggage is what has set us back. And I think it's only a lunatic that can think that 
350 odd years of oppression and colonialism and apartheid can be reversed in 23 years where even in that 23 years, the best part of the 10 years was spent trying to repair. This government did not start from zero. This government started from negative. We had to go from negative to a zero base and then to start building. Now, to, do, to think you can do that all in 23 years and reverse the gains uh, that were entrenched, uh, it's, 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 it's lunatic. You must also understand also some of the contracts that the white monopoly capital managed to squeeze into Codesa, things like cost plus model that are today continuously uh, are making ESCOM uh, not as successful as it could. Where you have a situation where huge conglomerates like the Glencores of this world, the Anglos of this world, the BHP bulletins of this world that continue to have a cost plus model in, in, in organizations like ESCOM, which means that uh, ESCOM pays for their production, pays for everything, and they still pay for the product. Those kinds of contracts make ESCOM less effective uh, and, and, and continue to, to entrench the white monopoly capital. This is why today we have a situation where the rich are getting richer and the poor are in trouble. So why is this continuing? Given especially the fact that there was a point in this country's history where the ANC actually had two-thirds majority and they did have um, that uh, luxury, that leeway to go and change the constitution, the, 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 the bans that were placed on us in '94 could have been taken off at that stage. Why wasn't it done? No, look, I think it, it is important to, to understand that uh, the, 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 the whole uh, dynamic in the country uh, it's not just political. You've got political, you've got economic. Uh, indeed, uh, one could say it was a missed opportunity uh, when we had two-thirds majority could have changed a few things as it were, but one has to balance that as well with uh, what were the other considerations that were at play. I'm sure uh, when we uh, uh, put what the ANC it? here, uh, if, 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 no, it's, 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 it's largely uh, the issue of we're under the, the spell, and this is what we're trying to get rid of now. At that time, we were at the center of being under the spell of these rating agencies. Because if you had to, I mean, to I, I, I remember having this discussion uh, even at that time with uh, some key people to say, why don't we do this, why don't we do that? And everybody was nervous that, yeah, you touch the constitution, uh, things are going to fall off. Uh, you touch the constitution, you're going to affect the investor confidence. There was all that nonsense going on. But I think today with President Zuma, there's a lot more boldness to do a lot of things. And this is why for us as Progressive Professionals Forum, we're happy that uh, these rating agencies have been exposed for the thuggery that they've been doing over the years. That I think today, if we are to be uh, getting ourselves into a situation where we're saying we cannot do things because of rating agencies, then we've got ourselves to blame. We are calling on President Zuma to continue his BRICS project to get an alternative approach, to get an alternative rating agency, uh, uh, people people that are not going to fiddle with our economic policies. We want economic policies in this country that are going to be development-based. We do not want economic policies that are going to ensure that white monopoly capital get fatter and fatter while our people are getting thinner and thinner. Sakina, look, it's very clear Jimmy Mani is here to punt something else. He's not here to talk about what you and I 
agreed we're going, we're going I to thought I was about. lifting the quality of this discussion. I mean, I'm not here to talk about uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah, stuff yeah, I, I talk about. I, I look at that article of yours was wishy-washy. I, I don't so know. I thought I must lift the quality of this discussion. Prince, I, I listened to him patiently um, and allowed him space to talk. <laughs> I thought okay, he was okay. old enough <laughs> to do the same. But it looks like now young people have to remind <laughs> older people to behave. But in any, any case... This is not about Zuma. By the way, Zuma will go down in history as one of the most backward leaders of post-apartheid South Africa who sold our country to the Guptas and worked with Jimmy Mani and them to, to send, sell our country to the Indians. But anyway, let's pack that aside. This thing about the constitution that, you see, we can't do one, two, three. We can't transform our country because of the constitution. It's nonsense again. Tell me how the constitution is preventing, has been preventing the black government from improving the quality of the education of black children in the townships and rural areas. You can tell me that the constitution is a problem. It's not. Why? The, you, you, you can sit here and um, defend until cows come home. But the fact is, when the English were in charge, they educated their children and made sure that their schools were tops. The Africaners did the same. You, you didn't need to do that. You could do that under a dictatorship, Jimmy. You could do that under a constitutional order. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, uh, okay, that's why I forgot your, your, that you are, you are born again. Um, now, here is, here's the thing, Sakin. The ANC government has control over state-owned enterprises. And those are instruments that were used by the Boers to develop their own people. Why has the ANC government not been using those instruments? The ANC government has control over the Industrial Development Corporation, which is an instrument that the Boers used to empower their own people. Why has the ANC government not been using it? The ANC government has control over education. Why has they destroyed the future of the African child? All of the three things that I have placed on the table now are possible to do within the current constitution. Now, you tell me, Sakina, for how long are we going to have debates to apologize that we are not building factories as black people? Because, you see, 23 years can easily become 46 years. And we'll have another debate here. Jimmy Manu will be 80 at that time, right? And uh, there will be no factory by black people employing black people, right? So I am saying, forget about these apologists. Let's deal with real issues and say we have a problem. And let's address it. This thing that Jacob Zuma, who has failed to change anything over the past eight years, can all of a sudden wake up and talk about socio radical socio-economic transformation when he's left with two years? And you want black people to follow that as if black people are a bunch of fools. It's nonsense. And we really have to expose people like that, people like Jimmy Mai. All right, let's take some calls. 0891-104-208. Who is creating jobs and why is that the situation uh, that we find ourselves in? Michael in Foslores, good morning. Morning, Michael. Good morning, Sakina. Props to, 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 to Prince. What an excellent debater. I'm educated by him. I don't know about the things that Zwane Lamani is talking about. He, he insults Parliament himself. 
He says all the laws that have been passing there in Parliament, the ANC membership that is there, has been anti-black. He even accuses the, 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 the president of being a dummy who sends those laws into power. In, in actual fact, we've got a case right now over the weekend where black workers are out of work because of the, 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 the minister who actually gave his crony a farm. And now there's no work going on on that farm. The, 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 the ground is grown far out there. And that is destroying jobs. Even Tandy Mudise bought a farm. There's no work going on right now there. They're, black people are destroying jobs here in this country. They're not creating jobs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Timba in Port Elizabeth. Sakina. Morning, Timba. I, I, I have... I have been consistently, I've created one job consistently in my house for the past seven years. I'm not going to go into detail with that one, but that's one job that I've created as a black man. But uh, Prince, both Prince and, 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 and Jimmy have been players in this government. What is this that now Prince has changed? Has, is he born again, he himself? to now realize that when he played part during the era of Tabumbeki, they failed to transform themselves. Can he acknowledge that? But what good thing that Prince is has bringing to the fore is that black people are not playing part in the economy of this country. And black people have no share in the economy. So they can't create jobs. But he forgets that the whole world conspired against South Africa. The whole world ensured that South Africa, when it gets its freedom, has got settled through the Constitution, is settled through the Washington Consensus Agreement, it's settled through the WTO, it's settled through the IMF and World Bank. Tell us, Prince, how do we radically transform the economy without us being taken to constitutional court for issues of competition, Look at what happened to Transnet. When Transnet bought and gave houses to its employees, banks ran to the court and contended that Transnet does not have a business in the property market, so you should desist and get out of that. And Transnet had to give away the property portfolio. What happened to the people who were owning those houses? They were black people. So the constitution, the legislation, and the relevant regulations that are currently prevailing in the country are hamstringing anybody who wants to transform the economy the way you would want to. But oh, we lost him there. That was Temba and Port Elizabeth, but I think we got the gist of it. David in Randburg, good morning. As it's again. Welcome, David. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually disappointed by uh, Jimmy Omswanel, eh? I had high respect for the man, uh, but uh, I'll just say so man, this guy, but he's been off, off key of late. Uh, he, I think he has become a hired gun of sorts. Uh, Brajimi Omzwanele, please, man, come back to your senses, wake up, uh, be a black person, you know, be a black person with the logic and with the interest of black people. Don't be used. You are a good person. Uh, what I want to say, you had a chance to change the lives of people when you... 
Move around there. Um, uh, gosh, we'll try and get that call back. Hassan Logat, good morning to you. Sakina, apparently I'm a bit unhappy that you kept callers waiting so long with long speeches instead of a debate by some, some of the participants. But anyhow, let me get back to it. I think that if you hear Mr. Mzwanele's uh, criticism, it is an indictment against the ANC. He, that is the biggest criticism of the ANC. He says to us that the policies are great, but for some strange reason, when the ANC puts it into law with its majority, something goes wrong. In fact, he doesn't begin to question whether the policies themselves are wrong in the first place. Then the second issue, which I think Prince raises, that the only is even talking about a radical socialist transformation. Under capitalist conditions, with a two-thirds majority, one could have done a lot more. Why is it that it was not used? In fact, clearly, uh, uh, all these public services, the FEBC, when it started off in the early 1995, they had a policy that says it was a model employer. Then it took it away. Everyone there has been outsourced. That policy was put through the ANC and became law. It followed, yes, rightfully so, international norms. But who penned it with? A majority party. And that is a, this program is an indictment. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Mr. Mani wants to protect the leadership of, of Jacob Zuma, but this is a criticism. The way he's spoken here today is something that must be shared with, with politics students to, to make them understand Governments have power. If they don't use it, you can't reinvent yourself on a radio program. Thank you so much, Hassan Logat. Mike in Newlands. Hi, good morning to your panel. Three quick points. First of all, uh, Jimmy Money, are you the same? I get pretty confused. You're the same Jimmy Money, the clever man you'll call the worst racist in the history of the world. If you are that same man, have you overcome this problem? Because it creates a problem for me to accept and balance what you're saying. Uh, if, if this racism uh, infection is still there, so please deal with that. The second thing is, uh, it takes it'll take a radically brave white man or black man or coloured man to open a business in this country because you have to deal with the government. Our government, as you know, uh, Jimmy, is one of the most corrupt governments in the world. We've just been relegated down to Russia, which is one of the most corrupt. We'll know that our president lives in a 200 million rand house. We'll know that most of the government departments, if not all of them, are involved in corruption in some way. But even more than that, the corruption runs at another level, Jimmy. And that is that I just read recently Zuma wants, Zuma wants the Treasury to allow the Department of Water to take a 12.45 billion rand loan from China to build a, a water project down here in the Eastern Cape. But the Chinese want to build the dam. Our President Zuma is quite happy with that, and Treasury are refusing to let the money go because it would violate the procurement process and it would obviously not be open to tendering. That is where our problem lies in the country. It's not about the money. It's not about the people. We have a massively corrupt government. You know that, and I know that. And that's all it is. It's nothing more than that. It's nothing. I think, Prince, you're absolutely spot on there. If we just let the people go and we have an honest government, an honest government, no corruption, this country would be the best in the world. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Mike. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get our two panelists to wrap up. Some things are worth fighting for. Stand up for the Constitution. Stand up for your rights. The entrepreneurship continues this week. Rigao Fela. On Tuesday, Valentine's Day, the Chile Boys host the Brazilians at Cisa Dugasha Stadium. On Wednesday, Orlando Pirates host the Clever Boys at Orlando Stadium. And Ian Laporto is at James Mutlati against Super Sports United. Barroca face Diquena at New Pitamukaba. Kickoff is at half past seven. Tickets available from 40 Rand. Brought to you by the Premier Soccer League. 
It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. So quite a bit being said and of course uh, many of your comments coming through I'm just struggling uh, with the feed at the moment but um, our guests can respond to the calls that we've taken this morning. Uh, let me start with you, Zwanel. Yeah, look, I think uh, if laws are defective, laws are defective regardless of as to who, have, who has uh, made Sorry, who has made those laws? If that defective, that defective, that defective. So we do not apologize for that, for pointing that out. Triple PFA is defective. CIDP Act is defective. FICA bill is defective. Whether NC passed them or not, that's, a, that's inconsequential. Those laws are defective. And if they continue to exist, black people will continue to suffer, period. Number one. Number two, when people start to attack a person personally, then you must know that there's a variant of all the rational arguments. So I'm not going to entertain people that are taking me personal. So I put that aside. So to this uh, last caller here that says Trevor Manuel says I'm a racist and whatever, I can just tell you now for the record that Trevor Manuel was talking absolute rubbish. He was talking rubbish. He does not even understand the concept. I'm not going to waste time with the uh, nonsensical comments of Trevor Manuel. And then to move into the issue of uh, corruption uh, and so on, I think the issue of corruption in this country is lopsided. <clears throat> South Africa has got a, 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 a situation where private sector controls actually 75% of the GDP. Uh, and the biggest corruption, and I'm not saying uh, corruption is, is, is right. It doesn't matter where it is. Corruption is corruption. Corruption is wrong. But the focus and the stigmatization and the characterization of the government as the only corrupt player is absolute nonsense. The corruption in the private sector is much more. You must go to the competition commission to see how much corruption is actually happening. It just gets given better labels like collusion and all these other fancy titles as it were. But the corruption in the private sector is much more. And people must stop this uh, uh, narrative of saying, uh, no, no, but this one is our money uh, and so on, uh, as if with private sector uh, people are allowed to be corrupt because it's not a, a public purse. When there is corruption, the people suffer because they have to pay a lot more high prices as an, an ordinary consumer. Uh, and lastly, we also want to uh, raise it for us as, as, as Progressive Professors Forum, that under the issue of corruption, what disappointed that these big construction firms uh, that uh, had ripped off the country for 50 billion, that continue to do business with the state, that National Treasury has not blacklisted those companies, and yet other smaller companies for minor offenses that get blacklisted. When are we blacklisting these uh, corrupt construction firms that uh, stole 50 billion of South Africa's money? Okay, good. <coughs> you see, uh, there was chaos in Zimbabwe. When Mugabe suddenly woke up and uh, unleashed um, veterans and made young people to take over land. You know why? It's because Mugabe had stayed in power for, for so many years. And he had not delivered on the promises that he had promised to his own black people. Suddenly there was pressure politically. And then he just unleashed mayhem. And if you look at that mayhem. It hasn't created a job. In fact, by the way, it led to his own black people going hungry. So they went to the shops. There was no food. Let me tell you something, by the way. You see, Jimmy Mani is full now. The food that is in his stomach was produced by a boar somewhere in Fenderdorp. I actually did not eat this morning. Uh, the food that you are going to eat after this show. Now, he, you know why it happened? Mugabe didn't produce agronomists. 
for all the years. So he went on and on talking this sweet language of Jimmy Mai. Of no, we'll transform the economy, this and the other. But he didn't get to the nuts and bolts of how do you do that. You cannot transform an economy if you do not produce systematically over time skills that are targeted at particular sectors of the economy. So in other words, you can't build a factory if you don't have a guy with a knowledge of how to operate and run a factory. This is what the ANC government has been doing over the past 23 years. All they know is to come to studios with a mountain of papers like Jimmy Mai and talk all sorts of confusing language. If you don't change this course, it will be 46 years and there will be no big factories owned by black people. Now, here is the script going forward. Go to education. You don't need to change the constitution for that. Improve the quality of the education of the black child. Teach a black child that you are being educated not for employment, but to start your own factory and employ your own people. Learn from the outside world, including the East and the West. By the way, the factories that Fanda uh, Bale built in Fanda Bale Park, the script was borrowed from a place in the UK called Sheffield. So you learn from the outside. That's what we need to do, uh, uh, Sakina.